For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. to the 49ers Rush Podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. Welcome to another episode of the 49ers Rush Podcast. I'm your host, John Chapman, and we will be breaking down the complete defensive breakdown of the 49ers win against the Broncos. We went 24-15. We are up 2-0, and if you want to go back and you missed any episodes earlier this week, Monday night, we did a live reaction show, which was a lot of fun. And then we, a couple days later, we had the offensive breakdown. And today we are going to be breaking down the defense as in-depth as possible, going from total snaps to who were the starters, who played where, how many missed tackles, pressures, coverage grades, everything that you could ever want to know about the defensive players. And just want to give a real quick, just a quick thing about the upcoming episode next up. Now, we play at the Chiefs on 824 at 5 p.m. So Saturday night, we are going to have a game against the Chiefs, and this kind of it starts our gauntlet. You know, we played Monday night, then we play Saturday night, then we play Thursday. Three games in 10 days, which is definitely not healthy for anybody. However, I do have a quick announcement. This has to do with fantasy football. I have been made an official equal partner over at Eat Sleep Fantasy. I've been a contributor there and host for them for a while. They have decided to bring me on with the big boys, which is absolutely wonderful. So, Having said those things, that will not affect the 49ers Rush podcast or content whatsoever, but we are hosting an event in Vegas, several events in Vegas, for the Fantasy Football Draft Weekend. You know, this kind of marks the start of all the fantasy drafts and all those things. And so we're hosting a, an event at Caesars. We're hosting an event at Top Golf, and we're hosting an event at the Sapphire Day Club. Having said all those things, by the time the 49ers game comes on Saturday night, I will be well inebriated. <laughs> Just going to be honest. Partying with a bunch of those guys out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're in Vegas this weekend, please hit me up on Twitter or email. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at JL underscore Chapman or email me 49ersRushPodcast at gmail.com. And I'd love to buy you a drink. I said that at the NFL draft. And man, you guys did not disappoint. Met a lot of listeners. Had way too much to drink and ended up trying to steal a taco truck. Much to a cop's entertainment. He literally laughed at me. And anyway... So if you're going to be out in Vegas, please hit me up. I'd love to show my appreciation for all the support. Having said that, because I will be in Vegas hosting several events and probably too much to drink, I will not be having a live Saturday show. I'm going to get one out Sunday for sure. But uh, just understand there will be a show coming, but I will be missing that Saturday. So just kind of stay tuned. I will have as much 49ers content out as possible in those weeks upcoming because it's going to be crazy busy. You know, we're already, we're the first 
game of three down, and then we've got two games, you know, in a span of five days plus cut downs. It's just going to be full time from here on out, and I couldn't be more excited. I want to be really honest with you. Uh, the support that I've gotten from you guys just asking for more content, I love it. I, I really do appreciate that, and so we will continue doing that. Let's jump in real quick to the defensive starters, and we will kind of go through snap counts and who played what and all those things. Now, starting up front, you know, we had, if we're going from left to right, we had Solomon Thomas at the defensive right end. Again, much to my, I'm really pissed about it, and it didn't take me long to get into a Solomon Thomas rant, right? Um, One. I love Solomon Thomas. I love the kid. I love his attitude. I love his story. I love all those things. However, I'm pissed off and my whenever I'm upset about Solomon Thomas, I'm not mad at him. I'm mad at our coaching staff for taking this kid out of a position that he plays very, very well and putting him in a position where he plays really, really bad and we've seen it for three years straight and we continue to do the same thing. Now, halfway through the game, we put him where he was supposed to be and he did wonderful. <laughs> he did make a couple solid plays in the run game at the end position, but still... I'm very upset about that. So our starting ends were Solomon Thomas and Eric Armstead, much like last year. Our two interior guys were Kevin Givens and Sheldon Day. And then the linebackers that we had out there, we had David Mayo, Malcolm Smith, and Drake Greenlaw got to start again. If we go back to secondary, Richard Sherman and Witherspoon were our outside guys with Tarvarius Moore and Tart as our two safeties. So, you know, solid look. We went out there in our base package. We weren't out there in our nickel package. Now, I will say this, mostly came in as the very first uh, nickel corner, Emmanuel Mosley. But of all those players, really only a few got the starter level treatment of the 13 snaps and out. Okay, so and now let's take a closer look and see who, you know, our coaching staff is trying to find a way to preserve these guys. Eric Armstead got his 13 snaps and was out. Malcolm Smith got his 13 snaps and was out. Richard Sherman and Witherspoon got their 13 snaps and out. Now the other guys, you know, whether that's Tart, Moore, Greenlaw, it doesn't matter, all these other guys, they got a lot more playing time everywhere else. And so it's it's quite interesting. I, I will say this. You know, I think that Tart would have received fewer snaps, but we have no safeties. Everybody is injured. You know, we had 16 inactives going into this game, and a lot of those guys were secondary guys. You know, first off, you know, Jimmy Ward's out. Kwan Williams is out. Jason Verrett is out. And so much so, we had to move DJ Reed who hasn't taken one snap at safety this year and requested a position change. And the coaches said, yeah, that's a good idea to outside corner and nickel corner. We had to move them back to safety because we were out of safety because after Tart got hurt with a concussion, like it just got bad. So anyway, we're going to go through and we'll break down each position level and kind of who did what and where and all those things. But before we do that, I want to go over the top five and bottom five of each group or of the entire defense, according to Pro Football Focus. So the number one, the defensive MVP, according to Pro Football Focus, I disagree with this one a little bit, was Demontre Moore. He had a score of 89.5. He played absolutely great. And a big thing that he kept doing, he kept getting to the quarterback, which we've seen this two weeks in a row. Um, he had one quarterback hit and two hurries, which was awesome. And then three, so that's three total pressures, and he helped with a tackle. But his whole time, like, 
he was always in the quarterback's face, which was wonderful. And, you know, you love to see that from this guy. I don't know if he can make this roster, but he sure as hell has earned a position by how he's played in the preseason. Now, my personal MVP of the defense was Tart. He finished with an 83.9, and he was just unbelievable. Just in the first drive alone, you know, whenever he came out, he was just playing like a man on fire, a man possessed. And we've seen this before from him before where he can just take over a game, which was awesome. You know, just on the very first series, he had two tackles for loss and a pass breakup. So absolutely just, you know, great game. Six total tackles. He didn't miss any of those. Three solo one run stops. You know, he did have that pass defense. But the problem with him is he left with a concussion. This is the problem Whenever you're in a preseason game and you're banged up at a position and you just got to keep your starters out there. Your goal in the preseason, Kyle Shanahan said this, you want to stay healthy. You hope people get reps. You hope they improve. But Tart is a person that struggled with staying healthy his entire career. And so now we've got a concussion, so he's not going to be taking any more snaps in the preseason because – you know, you have your dress rehearsal game three. This is our next game versus the Chiefs. And then the last game, starters don't even touch. You know, you're already moving on. So there's zero chance he takes another preseason snap. Now, the third best player was Akilah Witherspoon. He only played those 13 snaps, but, man, he was all over the place. You know, one of my favorite things that I saw him do was his tackle for loss in the screen game. He came up and just made a hell of a play. Had Tackled him for negative four yards on that. You know, he didn't give up any space on any routes that he saw against the starters, which, I mean, he just looked good. <laughs> he looked good. And this is who this kid is. Witherspoon looks great. It's just, can he be physical? And he showed on this one individual play, screen pass targeting him. He was playing off coverage, and he just he recognized it, came up, and just made a surefire tackle. That's what we got to have from him. Next up was Malcolm Smith. You know, surprised. He went out there and just, he played great. He wasn't out there for a lot of plays, but the plays that he were out there, he was, he was positive and impactful. He was targeted twice in the passing game. You know, he only allowed one catch for five yards, and so, you know, he gets targeted twice. One of them's incomplete. The other one is broken up. Just, you know, he, he played really, really well, which we needed because he has he's been a struggle to say the least. And the next two guys I want to give a shout out kind of together because, you know, I there's a couple players I don't root against any 49ers. I don't care if it's Jimmy Ward. I, I don't care. I don't root against them. There's just some players that just have that bad taste in your mouth. And I need to be one of the people. And I had a couple people reach out to me on Twitter. I appreciate you guys trying to keep me accountable. That when these guys that I don't want on the team do well, I need to give them praise. And, you know, the guys at, that tied for the number five or best player on defense, Marcel Harris and Dante Johnson. Dante Johnson, I hate so much. I mispronounce his name on purpose sometimes and call him Dante Jackson. But anyway, all that being said, Marcel Harris played very, very well. We He's always been one of those players that plays super hard, but he's a guy that makes a lot of mistakes. But if you can limit those mistakes and still have those splash plays, he, he's he really is a tart light. And what I mean by that is they both have the talent, the speed, the attitude. All of the intangibles are there, and it flashes. The problem is they just make a lot, a lot of mistakes. So the ceiling for these players, and you can see why the coaching staff is so in love with them, because if it clicks – 
and they finally get it right, these guys are going to be amazing players. The problem is you can't trust them long-term, whether that's health or whether that's busted coverages because they both get a lot of those. You know, Tart has a hard time with outside contain, um, which we have seen a lot. But if he can shore up those tackles, then that's huge, which we saw in this game. So Marcel Harris comes out, and he had a great, he did a great job because, you know, the Broncos do a lot of two tight end sets or, you know, in a lot of bigger sets with, you know, 12 personnel or whatever. And so that's going to bring that strong safety if you want to stay in that format closer to the line. He had two quarterback pressures and a sack on his own so you know he, he had a sack and he had a quarterback hurry which is great he didn't miss any tackles he had two solo run stops he was targeted twice and he almost had that interception it would have been a pick six he made a great break on the ball he just didn't catch it so that's marcel harris great game he got 36 total snaps and dante johnson who played the entire freaking game seems like with 49 snaps uh, he was out there a lot I can tell you this, you know, being a former coach and you're in personnel meetings and you're going over scouting reports, they circled this kid's name and they said, target Dante Johnson. (laughs) Whenever he was in the game and it was a pass play, every single first read of every Broncos quarterback, because he played through three different Broncos quarterbacks, they all targeted him every single time. Uh, they looked there, and then they would go elsewhere or target there. So he finished the game with four tackles and one run stop, but he was targeted 10 times. 10 times. Nobody else in our defense had more than four. So DJ Reed Jr., who, man, he was picked on all in a row on one series, and Emmanuel Mosley, they both had four targets each. But Dante Johnson had 10 damn targets. Now, he only allowed two catches on those, which is great. Um, he did get the very first interception, which, you know, hey, you, you got to give it to the guy. You're in the right place at the right time. That's great. It was just a stop or a comeback route. It hit the wide receiver right in the chest with about five yards of space between him and Dante Johnson. Receiver pops it up in the air. It's just the old-fashioned tip drill. And sure enough, Dante Johnson picks it off. So it was a good catch, but the cushion on that play was just abysmal. But it's going to count as a very positive play. He only got cited for one penalty because they called the wrong number. He had, he should have had two defensive holding calls. But all in all, great game. He had another pass breakup. And I think the big reason, one, he was the worst-rated corner in the NFL when he was a starter for us um, two years ago. So keep that in mind. But the truth of the matter is we're so light at cornerback that, sad, sad to say, he's probably going to make our roster. And that is awful. I don't want him to make it. It just seems like the we have so many young guys back there. I think that they're going to keep him because he is dependable. He is healthy. Uh, he's always going to be out there. You can put him out there for a lot of snaps. It's just yikes. All right, now let's look at the other side, the bad side, if you will. And there's a lot of guys on here that, man, it, it's a bummer because they're some of my favorites. The worst graded player on the defense is, oh, it's going to hurt to say it, Kentavious Street, number 95. Man, I, I was really excited to see what he could do after the first week, which was up and down, but he showed flashes. You know, he got to start in week one, and he got to go against Tyron Smith, and he, he got dealt with accordingly. And after they took their starters out, he looked like he could play pretty well and hold his own. Well, this week did not go well. You know, he got 41 snaps out there, and he finished with a 30.4 grade, 
which ah, is is rough. You know, he did get some pressures, um, which is great. But here's the problem. He had missed tackles. He had missed assignments. He had penalties. He had all those things. And, yes, he did get in on two sacks. I get that. And that is wonderful. But whenever you look at their big plays, almost all of them were because he was getting manhandled. And so, especially in the run game, he was just getting blown off of the ball. And so, you know, it's seeming like Contavious Street is putting himself in a weird position because two games in a row, he has been pretty sloppy against the run, but great against the pass. This is what's sad about our team. We have a plethora of pass rush specialists on the defensive side of the ball. We don't need another one. We need run guys. We need more solid guys because how is this? Who is he going to get snaps over in the defensive line? Sheldon Day, guess what? Not a run guy. He's a pass rush specialist. Solomon Thomas, not a run guy. Pass rush specialist. Probably the only run guy that we have on our defense is Eric Armstead. I don't think Street's ready to get snaps over him yet. DeForest Buckner's just great at everything. Great run, great pass, great whatever. And I think Nick is going to be one of those guys, too, that's not necessarily better at run or the pass. He's just great at everything. DeFord, he's much more of a pass guy. So we are littered with these guys with the same M.O., and this is one of the problems whenever you draft to um, kind of certain characteristics and – that's what we have here, where we have this overload of pass rush guys, which I'm making it sound bad, but you don't want this guy in there on a running play because he's just getting destroyed, especially on the outside. So we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, he put in, and this is why stats can always be deceiving because if you get a sack, that's great. And he got in on two sacks on effort. You want to reward that. But when you go back and you watch the film and it's just like embarrassing how the offensive line is treating this guy, it, it makes you kind of just scratch your head. So next up was Leroy Reynolds, you know, our weak side linebacker. Again, another guy that I thought could be making this roster. He's turning back-to-back horrible performances. Now, he did have that hellacious hit where he just destroyed that guy. But he finished with a grade of 41.8. And again, his problem is he is never in the right place at the right time. He takes himself out of running lanes by over-pursuit, so he's too excited. And so he'll pursue, and then the running back will cut back, and now he's not in his gap. So he's just not gap integrity sound. It's just not there. He did have two solo stops, which is great. But again, he had the he had a penalty. You know that's kind of what it is. Next up, DJ Reed, forty six point one. He just had a terrible drive and a half. He was able to respond fairly well after that, and then his shoulder injury took place. They played him out of position. Like just we're putting him in a bad position. Don't change players' position, especially in the preseason. Uh, especially if you have guys like Tavares Moore out there. Let him get more snaps. That's just kind of where he needs to be. You know, he was targeted four times. He allowed three catches, and he had a penalty. He did have one good pass breakup, which I was pretty excited for how he responded. But if the competition between DJ Reed and Emmanuel Mosley was to end today, I can guarantee you this, Mosley's our starting nickel corner. should be Kawan Williams, but he might not be healthy. So what does that do for DJ Reed? Do we keep a third-string nickel corner? 
I don't think so. Is he a great tackler? Yeah, probably the best. You know, the one thing I could say for DJ Reed is he's had three tackles in two games where he brought the ball carrier down one yard before the first down on third downs. So he he gives up a contested catch, but that guy does not allow any yards after the catch. Like, he is a great tackler. And I think there's a place for him on this team. I just don't think he's ready there now. Maybe if he played cornerback all year last year like he should have and not played him out of position anyway what a, uh, i don't want to get mad uh next up is kevin givens who got the start with all of the people that were out he just played really really bad i i don't really know what else to say besides the fact he did not get much push in the pass rush game and he was getting moved around offensively as well he did get two hurries which was great later on in the game but it, there just wasn't much there. And, you know, you can watch the helmet. So once you identify and you're watching film and you say, okay, this guy right here, you know, this is Kevin Givens, number 60. And then the snap of the ball, you have three defensive guys moving into the backfield of the offense. And you have one guy moving the opposite direction. That's just a red flag. So something that he's going to have to step up at because we don't have that position on lock. Sheldon Day... He can't play the run. He just can't do it. You know, DJ Jones, who we have kind of as our sole nose tackle, run stuffing defensive lineman, he's not to be found right now. He's injured. Sheldon Day cannot anchor that in big situations. I think Julie, uh, Julian Taylor could, but he's injured as well, so we can't see that either. So not sure exactly what we're going to do there. And then the last uh, two guys I want to give a shout-out to in a negative way is Jamel Garcia-Williams and David Mayo. David Mayo continues to have a really, really bad camp. So let's go now and let's talk about pass rush. You know, if we want to talk about how this game went according to pass rush stuff – not too bad. We got a lot more pressures than the Denver Broncos did. And, you know, it, it did take far. Jordan Thomas led the team with three hurries. He didn't get to the quarterback. He didn't get any hits or a sack, but he was back there for three plays. Kevin Givens, like I said, had two. And we got a lot of guys with two. Uh, Jeremiah Vologa, again. You know, he got back there. He should have had two sacks, but one of them was wiped away by a penalty. And we take away those penalties. Vologa, he's got... Four sacks in two games. Good Lord, the guy just got signed. Solomon Thomas, whenever he moved inside, had two pressures. He had one of the best clubs that I've ever seen. You know, it's like his very first play to move to the inside position after wasting his talent to get out there on the edge. And he just uses his left hand and just punches the the right guard and lifts him off the ground and throws him on the ground and gets in the quarterback's face. And it's just like... How are they not watching this? Like, <laughs> this is where he needs to be. But anyway, they'll move him back out there next play, uh, next game, I guarantee it. Solomon Thomas, or sorry, Sheldon Day had one quarterback hit and two additional hurries, so for three pressures. Jerome uh, J. Broomley did all right, not too bad back there. He had four total pressures. You know, he got in on two sacks and an additional two hurries. Demontre Moore, who I talked about, three total pressures, uh, two hurries. So, we had a lot of guys that did pretty well. You know, you love to see all these pressures and people living in the backfield, but we have to convert it to more sacks. You know, through two weeks, we have more sacks than the other team. Through two weeks, 
you know, kind of the turnover ratio is not what it should be, which we've always had a problem with, unfortunately. Now, just a couple other things that I kind of want to draw attention to. Um, three missed tackles on the game. Emmanuel Mosley had one. Aziz Al-Shar had one. And Tarvarius Moore had one where he over-pursued, which was kind of a bummer because, man, he could have lit the guy up. He just... He just got over-pursued. It's what it is. Now, a couple things that I do want to talk about. Just from a defensive side, you know, we continue to make improvements, and that's great. There's still a lot of areas that we have concerns, and I do understand that they're going to call a lot of penalties early on. However, we had way too many penalties on defense that just keep kept elongating drives. Two different drives that they were able to kick a field goal on, and both of those would have been null and void except for a defensive holding call. So that's something that you know you got to teach, you got to coach. But at the same time, we went 22 drives as a defense without allowing a defensive touchdown. If we start in the very first drive against the Cowboys, we had 12. They didn't score a touchdown. They got close, but we didn't held them out. And then all the way into the second half of the game versus the Broncos, still no touchdowns. So, man, right now, you, I, I love to bet on stuff. And so the under, I, I'm going to start taking the under on a lot of these games until they start to respect exactly what the 49ers defense is doing. And I don't care if it's backups. I don't care if it's third string. I don't care if it's starters. Every single branch has done their job to keep teams out of the end zone. And, yeah, there was that one huge break where Kevin Hogan just went nuts and ran around like crazy whatever. But, you know, there's just some things we have to see. Now, I will say this. We had four different defensive backs or defensive players get their hands on a pass. Aziz had one. DJ Reed had one. Tart and Dante Johnson. And on top of that, Dante Johnson got the interception. So there's a lot of stuff to be really happy about coming away from this Denver game. One, we won. But almost all the other good stuff's on defense. Our offense, which you've listened to the other one, it was rough. <laughs> no lie. But, man, you've got to be really, really happy with what happened um, you know, on the defensive side. Now, let's transition quickly before we end this today's podcast to special teams. We have to give a shout-out to Mitch Wisnowski. I mean, he came out and he had a he had a pretty good game. So he had five kickoffs. One of the big concerns, there's two main concerns with Mitch. One, blocked punts. He led the NCAA in. So, you know, he's continued to do well there. And two, he doesn't kick it very well off of the tee. Can he kick it out of the end zone? Well, he got close to going five for five on kickoffs. He had five total kickoffs four of which were touchbacks. The one that was run out was caught about five yards in, and you could tell their coach said, hey, let's get some work on this. Most teams would have just nailed that, but whatever. The one that he kicked in there, they ran out, and Mitch freaking laid the wood on this dude and knocked him the hell out. It was absolutely awesome. So love to see that. But more important than just his toughness or whatever is how he did punting the ball. So let's break that down real quick. He didn't do great, but he didn't do awful either. He had six total punts. Um, His kind of net punt average, which is what you always want to go by. So his yards per punt attempt was 48, but 
basically what is gained back. So like if you kick the ball 40 yards and it's a touchback, yeah, that's a 40-yard punt, but you only gain 20 yards because they're going to start at the 20. So the the net is huge. And that's 39.3, which is solid. Your goal there is anything over 40. You know, he kind of got hurt by the one touchback that bounced in. So on four of his attempts, uh, or on yeah, so out of six attempts, four were downed inside the twenty, which is great. You know, you, you can't be too upset about that. But it's it was a pretty good day, but not a great day. I think there's still a lot left, and he's young. He's gonna calm down. He's gonna make some mistakes, and we are going to have a punt blocked. Um, I hate to say that. A lot of teams have a punt blocked every year. Um, it's a little over like half the average. I think like twenty five. Around 20 to 25 block punts usually happen a year. Um, And with his slow kind of extra step drop that he keeps doing, if somebody wants to rush us, it's going to be problematic. But I'm a big fan of this kid. I'm rooting for this kid. I can't wait to see what he does. Um, So, again, just want to say thanks, guys. As always, please subscribe, rate, review the show, tell your friends about it, send it to whoever. It helps us out over here a lot. And also, manscaped.com, I got to throw this in there. Man, head over there, use the promo code 49ersRush with no spaces, get 20% off, plus free shipping, plus, man, you get a bag, you get an extra travel bag if you get one of the main kits. It is absolutely incredible. I've been using it for a while now. I This stuff is the best I've ever done. You don't want to hurt yourself downstairs, go to manscaped.com. They will take care of you. Use promo code 49ersRush. I will be back with you guys this weekend for the results of the 49ers Chiefs games. Stay strong, faithful. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.